0: Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Let's get into uh, our, our sermon number two. I have really been enjoying um, chasing after Jesus here lately, and what I've been trying to do is to, to press in and say, if, if Jesus said this, does he believe, I mean, I mean do I believe it? That's what I want to know. Did Jesus mean it? Do I believe it? And if I believe it, is it going to affect my life and how I live from here on out? And so that's what I've been pressing into, and that's why we wanted to do a sermon series launching at Easter with Do You? Do you believe it? Do you believe what the Scripture says? And if you believe it, do you acknowledge it or do you live it? Because those are two entirely different things. And one of the things that I think is really important, and this is what people will ask me a lot, they will ask me specifically, they'll say, how do you know when God is talking to you? Or how do you uh, open up that communication with God himself? How do we do that, Pastor? And so um, I just began to think, do we believe, do you believe, I'm going to pose it to you, do you believe that God still talks to you? There are people out there that say it's written down in the Scripture. Anything beyond that, he's done with. He's not doing anything else. And I have a hard time with that. I'm not saying that he's still writing Scripture. What I'm saying is I have a hard time believing that there is a God out there that loves me so much that he's going to die for me, but he's not going to talk to me. See, that's where my struggle is. And so in my life, coming to know the Lord himself, but then even growing up and even before I was a pastor, coming to the place where you begin to feel and recognize the voice of God as he is speaking to you. And what is this voice saying to you? And it's not always, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. It's like, I don't even do that with my kids. Hey, you're the best, you're the best. We have, you know, logical conversations. We, we get into, you know, what he's trying to get done and what part is, am I going to play in that. And so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the idea of, do you believe that God wants to talk to you? Because I believe that God wants to talk to you today. I believe that with all of my heart. And so um, I was looking at the scripture and I thought, well, Jesus wanted to talk to Thomas. And I loved that story. We talked about that last week for Easter, the idea that um, Jesus showed up and Thomas wasn't there, but Jesus wanted to talk to Thomas so much that a week later when they were still together or they'd gotten back together, Jesus appeared to them and Thomas was there because he wanted specifically to talk to Thomas. He wanted to say, put your, your fingers in here. Go ahead, knock yourself out. You said, you know, God knows what he said last week. You said, so go ahead and put your, put your fingers in. Here, put your hand up in here, just like you said you wanted to do. And Thomas was like, my Lord and my God. You know, at that point, it's like, ah, oh, I may have overstepped myself just a little tiny bit. It's a little bit like Job. When Job said, man, I sure wish God would come down here and let me talk to him. And you get to that place in the book of Job where the Lord says to Job, all right, Man be silent and I will now give you an answer. And he gets all to the, to the end of his answer. And Job's like, I'm real sorry, God, I didn't mean to, to, to do this. And, and so there we are. But I love that God does in fact want to talk to you. There is no doubt about that. I've been pressing into Jesus. And like I said, um, it's like, I want to love him, but I want to have a sit down with him. And that's been my story ever since I met him. As a young believer who was ignorant and immature, there were times that I just cried and cried and cried and said, God, I need you to come in here and I need you to sit down. But for me, I have to believe. I have to be able to say I believe. And if my belief is not affecting my lifestyle and my action, then it's just an academic understanding. That's all it is. And I cannot live there with God. That is not possible for me, and so I want to share a story with you. I want to share a story with you from the book of Matthew. And you know, generally at this time in a lot of pastors' lives, they're showing, they're sharing post-Easter stories instead of um, um, what I'm going to do is a pre-Easter story. But it's a it's a story that's found in the book of Matthew in chapter 26. Excuse me, chapter 20, beginning of verse 29. Um, and it's a story of Jesus, and he's on his way um, to be, be to be crucified. He is headed to Jerusalem. He's headed for the Passover. He's headed to the special sabbath he's headed he's going he knows where he's headed and this is the story as it opens up a lot of discussion a lot of theology that we won't get into about the geography here but but again this is what it says in the bible and i actually do believe it as jesus and his disciples were leaving jericho so he's leaving jericho about a day's walk day and a half s walk from from jerusalem a large crowd followed him Two blind men, according to Matthew, were sitting there by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? That's what he asked. The crowd, like the disciples, wanted to bask in Jesus' glory, but they didn't necessarily want to bask in his compassion. And so we see Jesus' compassion unfolding as we're doing this. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he's using his power mercifully, mercifully and compassionately, but not for himself. As he's going with these people that are following along, he's still listening. The truth of the matter is, in society back then, these, these, uh, these blind men, they were, they were of no account. They were, they were people from over there. They weren't worthy of Jesus' time, his disciples would say. Jesus was busy. He was heading toward the cross, toward Jerusalem, and it was about a day's journey. And, and the, the crowd obviously did not believe that these men deserved Jesus' uh, time because as they start crying out um, in, the gospel, in another gospel account, it says that people said, be quiet, be quiet. And so they cried out all the more and it's like, wow. They didn't want to be told to be quiet. They wanted Jesus. And Jesus shows that he actually came to love you and I. He came to be compassionate. He came to heal. He came to touch. He came to care. And more than anything, And I would like for you to get a hold of this as you think about, does Jesus speak to you? He came to notice you. He didn't come to see you and then look for a reason to punish you. He came to notice you, to hear what you were crying out in your heart about and enter into a relationship with you. And even as these men believed that a great prophet was walking by and began to scream out and scream out, and the community said, sit down and be quiet, be quiet. Jesus said, come here, I'd like to talk to you. What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus wanted to talk to these blind men. He wanted to. He wasn't willing to. He wanted to to talk to these blind men? Have you ever felt like you just weren't good enough for God to help you personally? That in your relationship, somehow all of these characters that we read in the Scripture were more holy than you, they were more righteous than you, they somehow got it more than you? You know, there was a time in my life, in my early um, walk with the Lord, that I thought, man, everybody got saved and got baptized, and they got the secret handshake, but somewhere I did not get the secret handshake. I did not get the handshake that says, man, you're in, you're part of the crowd. You know, you got the, the, the Jesus decoder ring from the, you know, Cracker Jack's box. It's like, everybody got it but Joe Wood. It's like, how come they all can know all of this except Joe Wood? It's like, they had walked with Jesus. They had talked with Jesus. And early in my walk with Jesus, I, all I was getting to do was to know about Jesus. But that's not what the Lord wants. He doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. He wants to be in a close personal relationship with him. So this is Jesus playing out the parable of the Good Samaritan, believe it or not. Because listen, he's busy. I mean, when you're going to die for the sins of the whole world and you've got this baby scheduled out, yeah, we're going to have that last supper. I'm going to have to get up and put a towel around my waist and wash their feet. And then I'm going to, like, break bread with them. I'm going to say, This is my body. I'm going to share the cup, explain to them that this is the cup of the new covenant. Then somewhere in there, we're going to sing a hymn and go out onto the Mount of Olives. And while we're there, by the way, Judas is going to show up and he's going to, you know, have me arrested. So, I mean, I've got, I'm booked. You know, I am booked. Jesus, come. Jesus, Lord, Son of God. I'm sorry. I'm booked up for the next couple of days. But he didn't, did he? He was not that busy. He was not so busy that on his way to what I I just was thinking about it, the King of Kings was headed to the worst day of his life, the worst punishment that you could imagine, the last supper. But wait, hold on a second. There's somebody that needs him to be compassionate for a moment, and Jesus is not too busy. He's willing to stop and say, "Yeah, Before I get up there and hang on that cross, let me help this guy right here. These guys, according to Matthew. These guys. Let me stop and heal them. And in my artistic mind, because I have to keep painting pictures, they jumped up and followed him to Jerusalem. And and in my mind, my artistic mind, it was no small commotion that they were like, yeah, we couldn't see. You know, a couple of hours ago, we were sitting by the roadside. He came by. We're going with him. We're going to the Last Supper. We're going to the Special Sabbath. We are headed to Jerusalem. We're going to be a part of whatever's going on. That's right. We were blind. Did I tell you we were blind? I believe that there was a commotion. And I believe that it was another story of somebody that got to share that God had compassion When we think God is too busy for us. I can't make you believe that God is not too busy for you. You have to choose to do that. See, because I can't make you believe that Jesus came and died for your sins. You have to choose to believe that. And it really is a choice. We talked about that last week. It's not a, well, I just, I just, I'm not feeling it, so I can't believe it. That's not the truth. The truth is, we have to choose. We have to decide that if I can explain it all away and how God did it in my human mind, then it's probably not necessarily the truth. But when I recognize that God is supernatural and, and the miraculous comes into play, then I recognize that I'm a spiritual being serving a spirit, God who is spirit and truth. And so I began to say, okay, then what does this mean? The God we serve is not too busy for you, but it begs a question. You will seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. It's that last part, isn't it? Are you too busy for God? See, God was headed to Jerusalem, and I explained it to you. every I mean, it was all lined out. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus knew how this whole thing was about to play out. And he was entering it willingly for Joe Wood's sins, for Joe Wood coming back into the family. I believe that he headed that way, and he walked in there knowing it. But he also appeared to have some built-in what we call wiggle room so that he could continue to be who he is, because he can't be false to himself. And so when somebody cried out, he was there. So let me share a couple of things with you as we're going through this. God notices you. Can you believe that? Not God notices you, and if you step out of line, so help me, he is going to send you, you know, to, to punishment. The point is, God notices you i listen i can't explain how there's seven billion people on this planet i'm having a rough time keeping uh, i need to wear, need to know where my wife is and then my five children and then their four spouses and then their six grandkids and i'm like no no so i solved my problem i got one of these babies and i got find your phone <laughs> for my wife not for me. So when she goes out and I'm sitting around and it's like, man, she's been gone a long time and she's just walking around the neighborhood. It's like, man, you've been up at the elementary school for about 15 minutes. What's that all about? That dot hasn't moved. It's like, are you stuck? Did you fall in the ditch? Did you, did you, and she's like, no, no, no. When she gets home finally. I'm like, do I go out? Do I call the you know, police? Do I dial 911? Because something's going on. She comes back. She says, hey, um, I, I got to meet our neighbors up the road there. And we had this great conversation for about 20 minutes. And instead of me saying, great, what was the conversation about? I'm like, yeah, your dot didn't move for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm aware of that. I don't know how God does it with seven billion people. I don't know if he's got find your phone up there and all of us are bumping into the little blue dots. I'm not sure. But I can tell you this. I have learned and I believe with all of my heart that God notices me. When I am celebrating and I am happy, bam, God is celebrating with me. When I am sad, I'm either In a place where I need to learn a lesson, or God is sad with me. I just have to work my way through it. As much as there's no place to hide from God, it should give us hope and courage that God does want to speak with us, and he notices us. Last week, we talked about Adam and Eve, and they sinned against God. They rebelled. It, rebellion is a sin, and believe it or not, it's like the biggest sin. It starts in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, and it runs all the way through the book of Revelation because it's the foundation of all the other sins, which basically are I want what I want what I, when I want it, and I don't care what you say. It's rebellion. And so we recognize Adam and Eve rebelled. They tried to hide their sin from God. God already knew it. And he came in and God noticed and still wanted to talk with them. Walked into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? And we talked about this last week. He knew where Adam was. Get out from underneath that little plum tree over there and come over. He could have said that, but he didn't. He's God. And he gave him a chance. God sees and God answers, but God also expects from us. And I think that's right. God said to Jeremiah the prophet during a desperate time in the life of the Israelite nation, and I do believe that we can grab a hold of this, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. One of my Bible professors told me that this is God's phone number. Jeremiah 33.3. Um, 3. Call to me, call me, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things. Do that. But it's not just like, a, hey, God, what are you doing? Hey, God, what are you doing? There's a place where we have to cling to you will seek for me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. That doesn't mean you all have to go into the ministry. It doesn't mean you all have to go to Bible college. It, doesn't mean, it just means where's the hunger for spiritual growth in our lives? The blind man called to Jesus, screamed out, and Jesus answered. While the context of Jeremiah was that God was speaking to Israel, Jesus carries that forward. In the story of the blind man. That God does in fact want to speak to us. Okay. So God notices you. And God does want to talk to you. And I beat that horse to death. But let me just share this scripture with you. If you love me keep my commands. This is Jesus speaking in John 14 as he's in Jerusalem. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. That means the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. He lives uh, with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So the Lord said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to put another person of the Trinity inside of you. Now, why would the other person of the Trinity be inside of us. And he tells us right there, because he's going to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to remind you, and he wants to reveal to you the truth so that you can continue to move forward. In verse 25, Jesus says, All this I've spoken while I'm with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world does, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. So he will teach you and he will remind you. And I don't know how he's going to do that if he doesn't talk to me. Think about it for a second how is God going to remind you and teach you if he doesn't talk to us? Because the the scripture says he's going to to teach us all of these these things, all the things. I said, I will teach you all things, but also remind you of what Jesus said. So there's got to be some things that are not necessarily uh, have to do with what's inside of my Bible. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. Jesus said, live in us forever, teach us all things, remind us of the words. Isn't it incredible that the woman at the well was astonished that Jesus would even notice her, let alone talk to her? You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan, lower lower than Jews, woman, lower than Samaritans, and you ask me for a drink of water. The woman with the issue of blood wasn't hoping for a conversation with Jesus, just a stolen healing. All she believed was if she could just touch him, she could get healed from this ten, uh, excuse me, this 12-year bleeding thing that she had going on inside of her. And that's all she wanted. And yet Jesus, while he could have just, I mean, his disciples said, people are bumping into you. Come on. He could have just kept right on moving and say, somebody got healed, let's keep going. But instead he stopped and said, who healed me? And he wanted to talk to her. He was not too busy. He wanted to talk to this woman. The Roman centurion did not expect Jesus to come to his house, just have a conversation and say the words. The Syrophoenician woman was just hoping for the crumbs that would fall off the table of heaven. Jesus, I know you came for the Jews, but if I can just have the crumbs that the children knock on the floor. Jesus had time to talk to her Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus, climbed up a tree because he knew he was going to come by this way and he was going to look down and there was going to be Jesus and he was going to get to see him and he was going to be somebody. But instead, Jesus said, come down here, I want to talk to you. I want to come to your house today. We're going to have some tea together. Jesus has the time and he notices and he wants to talk to you. And the last one, Jesus was trying to raise up disciples, but he had time for little children to come to them so he could bless them. Parents wanted their children blessed. And, and the disciples were like, hey, hey, he's too important. You don't understand. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. For of these, such as these, that's the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean for you to understand like a child without trying to say, well, I can tell you theologically and from the Greek and from the Hebrew. No, 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 no. From a child's point of view, God wants to talk to you. He does. Can you just simply say, then from a child's point of view, I choose to believe that. And now I'm looking for how God is going to talk to me. Um, The third thing here, real quick, I want to stay on track here, is that sometimes God has to be firm with us. He does. With all due respect, sometimes God has to spank our little bottoms. And sometimes it hurts. Okay? Um, I am so thankful for Pampers. I am i I'm seriously, so thankful for Pampers. We tried to do the cloth diapers with, with one of our children, the first one. We were gonna be all that, but for us, it was more of an economic thing. It wasn't a green thing, you know. Um, water still came out of the spigot, so our simple and short-sighted minds just said, hey, we're good, uh, um, but, but it was like, hey, we're gonna wash our own diapers, and you know, one re- reason led to another, and we just chucked that. It was like, okay, those of you that do it, God bless you, I'm good, okay, we're there. But Pampers, I love Pampers. And I'm gonna tell you why I love Pampers. Because sometimes, and if you're a new parent, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about children. Sometimes your child will act up for no reason whatsoever. And you can sit there and try to think about it all day long, and they will throw a hissy fit, and it will not make any sense to you. And you have to decide whether you're going to let them get away with it or not. And in my house, we um, employed corporal punishment. Okay? Okay? That's the right word this time, right? Okay, corporal punishment, not corporate. (laughs) And that pamper, even though your little tookus has plenty of muscle on it, that pamper provides a little bit extra. And all I need from that pamper is just enough to get my child to go. I don't need them to scream and cry because they've been spanked. I just need the. And if you can get the, you've got your child. At this point, they're startled. And it's just the startling that dumps um, you know, this, this into your, your system. Um, I'm, I'm not going to try to be scientific. It just dumps this into your And then suddenly you will remember these things. Okay, And so there you are. And so I, I love that. Sometimes the Lord has to do that to me. Sometimes the Lord says, come here for a second. And I'm like, yes. And he says, pop. And it's like, no. That smarted it just a little bit. But here's the deal. It's only so he can get my attention, so that he can get me back on track. Not because he's trying to put his thumb on me, but because he's trying to usher me into kingdom work that I was created to do that allows me to embrace the life that I've been praying for. How can I pray for this? And when God says, do that, I say, no, I want to do this instead. And God says, okay, come here do I have your attention now? Yes, you have my attention. Can you make this stop? Sure, come on over here and let's do this. Yes, I want to do this now. I want to do that. And so I'm very, very appreciative of that. The book of Hebrews says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? Believe it or not, the discipline of the Lord on your little backside is a word of encouragement. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as sons. Endure hardship as as discipline. If you're going through something difficult, just stop and say, God's got me in a tough situation where he wants me to learn something so am I tracking with God? Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined, it doesn't say beaten, are not disciplined by their father. And so sometimes that's the situation. Now this next little tiny bit, because I do believe that God wants to speak to you, I'm going I'm to bump through um, so that you can grab a hold of these, these five things real quick. How does God speak to us, Pastor Joe? How does he do that? How is God going to speak to you? Initially, initially, it has to start somewhere as a new believer. And I'm going to be straight up honest with you. As a new believer, it starts in a word. Sit down, open the word, read what it says, let God get that into your heart so that as he begins to move you, when you make financial decisions and relational decisions and, and uh, you know, revenge decisions, whatever your decisions are, when you begin to do that, God can interject the word so that you know. Because God's not going to go back on his word. So that is at least the foundation of how he's going to speak to you. And in order for you to hear the voice of God, you get to know the nature of God by his teachings. I was thinking about the Word of God, and I thought, you know, primarily God speaks to us through his Word. And I found this picture of the third oldest Bible um, in the world that they have found to date. And it's at, the, it's at the Smithsonian Institute, and I want you to see it. So this is a picture of, of the um, uh, Smithsonian Codex Washington e. Annis, okay? That's what that is right there. It's the, it's the third oldest Bible in the world, is my understanding. It's the oldest one on display at the Smithsonian. It, it, has, it, it comes out rarely. It's in a room that you're not allowed to go to. You just have to trust that they have it. But they've got it on display right now from what I understand, that it is there. This Bible, it, those pages are leather, okay? It's leather that has been scraped and polished until it is just absolutely thin, the pages are. And so that's why you can't touch them. It's written in Greek. It's from the year 330 to 340 AD. That's how old that is. 300 years after Jesus was crucified, that book was written. Or 2,200 years ago, that book was written. If so I'm doing my math close. Okay, I'm a preacher, not a mathematician. But but there it is right there that that um, that that tome that 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 gathering is actually sixty six different books, from forty different authors, and if you compiled them, they're written over fifteen centuries or fifteen hundred years. My bad on that. Okay, so so over fifteen hundred years worth of writing. And it's one uncorrupted message. And that is you were created by God to be in a relationship with God. There's sin in our lives. And Jesus came because of the love of God for his children to bring us back home. 66 different books, 40 different authors written over 1,500 years, and it's one uncorrupted message. You might sit and say, I know, but what about? It's like, no, 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 I'll I'll have that discussion with you later, okay? But right now, that message has stayed the same through 1,500 years of writing and 40 different authors. That message keeps coming forward in the circumstances. And you and I are called by Paul to the Holy Spirit, but through Paul to study this book to show ourselves approved. We are called to actually study it. Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but correctly can handle the word of truth. There are plenty of people out there that can incorrectly handle this book. They can incorrectly handle the message of this book. I can pervert this book so that your life is nothing but God wants me to have, everything I ever dreamed of. Because what people will do is they'll find one verse. They're not studying to show themselves approved. They're finding one verse. When God called me into the ministry, my wife wanted one verse. Just one that said no. And, and, and you know, the Lord said, hey, that pamper that you're wearing, let's talk about that for a second. You know, and, and, and that's okay. Okay, she is where she is today, and it is an act of God, and it is absolutely amazing. But that word is there, and it, we are called to study it. And that's why here, what matters to me is what does the Bible say about what the Bible says. And it's, it's faithful. Man, it is faithful, and, and, and it keeps moving. It stays forward. But some people have the idea that chasing after Jesus and studying their Bible is like lucky dipping. Have you ever heard that term in Kentucky, lucky dipping? We we heard that term a lot when I was, this is lucky dipping. Lord, I know you want to speak to me today, so. But you will be rebuked. That's not from God. He went straight out and hanged himself. That is definitely not from God sell everything you've got, give to the poor, come fuck. No, that is not from God. I'll tell you when I get there. But I know the plans I have for you to give you everything you ever want. Yes, that's what the Lord said to me today. He said, you cannot go through scripture that way. That is not studying uh, to show yourself approved. That's called lucky dipping. You want a word from God, so you just pop that baby out, you dip your ladle in, and you suck whatever comes out of the ladle. That is not how we talk to God. We open it up, we have a regular pattern of studying, of reading, of trying to understand it, and it's healthy for us. And there's really not a whole lot of place for us to say, no, I can't do that, I don't have time for that. It's like me saying, I don't have time for my wife. Seriously. I've got all the time in the world for her, And that's important for us to continue to move in that. So we've got to be careful. We've got to rightly divide or handle the word of truth. Jesus said that there are things um, that cause people to stumble and they're bound to come, but woe to anyone who they come through. There are things that cause men to sin, but woe to that person through whom that sin comes, if I lean a little more into the King James. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to sin. You see, there are people that will take that scripture and make it say what you want, and I've used this example before, but there's a guy down in Florida, there was a guy down in Florida that uh, had determined that, you know, um, he's what we call a Gnostic, and so whatever you do with your body doesn't matter. It's what you do with your spirit that's inside of you. So your body can do it at once. And this whole article had him at 57 years old with two 20-year-old little miniskirt-clad girls, and this was his church. And, and, uh, you know, if you would just send him money, he would bless you. And somebody was sending him millions of dollars. Well, I promise you, that's what everybody wants. Just tell me my sin's okay. Don't confront me with it. Don't challenge me in my lifestyles. I don't want that. And yet the Bible says the exact opposite. We are to watch out for each other. We are to talk to each other. We are to help each other. We're called to do that. But Jesus said, there are people that will come and tell you whatever your itching ears want to hear. That's Paul to Timothy, but, you know, through the Holy Spirit. It's like, wow. And we live in that time. Isaiah said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Just go ahead and keep affirming everybody's sin and tell them it's okay. Whatever they do is all right and whatever God they want to make up is okay. We can't do that. We've got to be able to rightly divide the word of God to understand God as we begin to try to hear what it is he's saying to us. And James says this to me personally. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that he who teaches will be judged more strictly. When I take this book and I begin to share it, There is a judgment set aside for me for how I present it and what I say it says. That I walk and tremble as I share it. Is this what God is saying? And we have to be careful of that. Another way that God speaks is dreams and visions. Peter, up on the rooftop at Simon the Tanner's house, if you're not familiar with that, he had a vision in the middle of the afternoon when he was waiting on his lunch to come. And uh, that vision played itself out. So God gives us dreams and visions. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to choose to believe in dreams and visions so much so that you should keep a notebook beside your bedstead at night. And if you wake up from a dream and, you know, you write that dream down and you say, is this, because you still have to discern it. When I wake up and say, wow, I just saw myself in that brand new Corvette, $123,000. And I think that's a word from God. My wife said, no, it's not. Eating and being able to feed the dogs is a word from God. Um, Buying something like that is not a word from God. So you have to be able to discern. And our immaturity sometimes keeps us from doing that because we want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. However, before you say dreams and visions don't happen, remember that in Acts chapter 2, Peter was quoting Joel in Joel chapter 2. And he said, no, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, and, and by saying this, Peter says, we're in the last days. Okay? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Underline this for me. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. If you're a person that sits in here and wonders why Pastor Janus preaches from this stage, that's why right there. Because the scripture says, I will pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters and they will prophesy. And prophesy means to retell what God said, to tell what God is saying and to foretell what he says is coming. And that's why it happens here, okay? Your young men... If you believe that you're in the latter days, your young men will see visions. If you believe you're in the latter days, your old men will dream dreams. If you believe you're in the latter days, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're looking for. God speaks to us through dreams and visions. God speaks to us through circumstances. Write that one down. Sometimes it's your circumstances. Paul was attacking the church, so God blinded him. (laughs) There's that smack on the diaper. God loves Paul, wanted to use Paul, but then he blinds him. And Paul can freak out and say, God, what are you doing? But God's saying, I need your attention. And he was blind until Ananias prayed for him. God said, now that I have your attention, this is what I want to happen. See? Circumstances can dictate what God is doing in your life. Paul wanted to go to Asia Minor. He had a big heart for Asia Minor. He's going to go to Asia Minor. He gets a group together. They get some funding from the church. They're headed up. They're going to Asia Minor. They get up there, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, keeps them from going into Asia Minor. And then, to show you, the circumstances stopped him. God spoke through the circumstances. And then dreams and visions came because he had a dream that night that a man in Macedonia said, come on over here and plant a church. And so he woke up the next morning. He said, boys, we're headed west. And they turned left and went to Macedonia and planted a church. See? Circumstances. People. People. Nathan, the prophet, and David. Bathsheba incident. Don't, I don't want to get into it. Sometimes we got to listen to people that God sends into our lives. And God says, hey, I want to tell you a wonderful thing. Or, hey... If you keep moving in this direction, I'm going to bring the kingdom of heaven to bear against you. And if you don't think God won't do it, try him. Paul and Ananias, God brought somebody into Paul's life. After God had his attention with the circumstances, spoke to him specifically, then Ananias physically healed him. He was a conduit for God. And the last way that God speaks to us is through prayer Holy Spirit. As you begin to get comfortable with the Word of God and the way God works in circumstances and people and dreams and visions, you begin to understand that sometimes you're praying and the Holy Spirit just says, hey, I need to talk to you, or hey, I need you to go talk to so-and-so. That's what Nathan was doing with David. Moved by the Spirit, he went and talked to him. And you have this picture of what's going on couple of weeks ago two to be exact i was in my office getting ready to preach palm sunday and the prayer person came in and they pulled something out of their pocket it looked like a bubblegum wrapper but they had written something on it because they had a dream and they believed in their dream and they shared with me what it says and it's it's it was an answer specific answer to my question But it wasn't just for me because people came forward that morning to be prayed for and it was a specific answer to their question as well. So sometimes God gives us a word. We speak the word. Somebody hears it. Maybe they get a little offended or something but it's really for the greater crowd. But sometimes, have you ever been there where you felt like, okay, that was just for me? (laughs) That's only because God is speaking to you. It was also for somebody else. When God speaks to us, he calls us out He calls us out from our sin. When God speaks to us, He calls us up into a purpose that grows the kingdom of God and our lives. And when God speaks to us, He calls us in to a greater degree of holiness and personal relationship with Him. Do you believe that God wants to speak to you today? Do you believe that God specifically wants to touch you because you took the effort to get out of bed, to get ready, and to come into this building because he knew you were going to hear this message? Do you believe? Because I can't make you believe it. But every time I sit down at one of these things to prepare, I hear God speak. And it convicts me as well as encourages me. continue to change and be pliable to God. It it convicts me to be convicted. Like if somebody has to come and spank my bottom, then I got to hear it. See, if Nathan walks in my door, I'll hear Nathan. I've got to be ready for that. And when I'm burned up and chewed up by the world and it's dark out there and and, and I'm, God, you got to do something, then I come in and I'm encouraged somebody gives us a word of encouragement through the power of the spirit. And then finally, do you need somebody to, do you need God to speak to you today? Today. Do you need a word from God today? Is that what you need? Because I believe that God wants to give you a word today. What we're going to do is you see our prayer team up here. Our prayer team has graciously kind of moved over to the side. So if you've been like, well, there's nobody up front. There is. We're just trying to keep you out of the camera so we can protect you um, from being online. <laughs> um, but We want to welcome you that are online to go to VineyardRichmond.com and click the chat button. There's somebody wants to pray with you. You won't be on the camera. Um, but we believe that God wants to speak to you. I believe that with all of my heart. And these people want to pray for you that very thing. Just a word for you today that you can take home and say, this is mine. But then you have to choose to believe it. And if you do believe it, how will it change how you're living life and who you are? Because we've got to constantly be growing and changing. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you right now. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for all of it, God. We just ask and pray that you continue to open up our hearts because we need to hear you slow us down because we're really not that busy God that we don't have time to be a part of the kingdom of hell which is fo- excuse me kingdom of heaven which is focused on people going to hell we have to have time for you God you're the lover of our soul you don't want us to just go about your work you want to come and dance with us You want to play the music of heaven and twirl us around. God, we want to be a part of that. So as we come to you, Lord, we come hungry. We come longing. We come wanting. We come and say, come Holy Spirit. If you're not going to speak to us, if you're not going to lead us, then just destroy us and bring us home. Because we don't want to do this without you. And We certainly don't want to do it on our own. I don't, God. I need you today. In Jesus' holy name.